Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House for another edition of Scrooge Sunday to revisit one of the probably too many adaptations of A Christmas Carol. Today, we are blasting back to 1987 to rewatch a very special Christmas episode of the Filmation cartoon series Brave Star. Hold on to your hats, friends, as we are about to relive Texas' terrible night. I am sometimes bipedal talking horse you forgot was in this show, Mike Westfall. And joining me, well, some people call him Space Cowboy, but you know him as Joey O. Howdy, Joey. No one calls me Maurice. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> and the personification of the unknown future wearing a hat over his hood, for some reason. Please welcome Sammy Hayne. Hey, Sammy. Hey, so if we run into trouble on this podcast, you're perfectly fine with us riding you out of here? Well, all That's right. That's what friends do, right? <laughs> happy, happy to help. All right. So, Sammy, we have you to thank for reminding me of this one, or should I say discovering it first out of the three of us. Yeah, I remember... Uh, Near the start of lockdown, there was an article about they were putting all the Brave Star online, and I started going through, and the memory started wafting back. <laughs> it was, and I I didn't think I remembered this one, but when I started watching it, yeah, the memories were still there. <laughs> okay, see, I don't remember watching this one as a kid. Like when you told me there was a Christmas episode, I'm like, what? <laughs> but my memories of Bravestar are very choppy. But let's start with you. Tell me about your personal history with Bravestar. So I think with a lot of people, everyone got the, the backwards because they made the mistake of putting out the toys long before the show started. <laughs> so it was this, oh, this interesting laser tag action figure you would see on the way to things you knew something about. But I liked it because I, living out in Arizona, it was more familiar to me. Like, I feel like other people watch Ninja Turtles and like, okay, that could be happening in my town. And, you know, I'm not in space, but this is kind of something that's more familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone at the on the playground, it was that one call of strength of the bear, bear, bear. <laughs> <laughs> so at least here it, was, it had its following. I'm not sure about <laughs> Everywhere else. <laughs> right. Well, uh, Joey, what about you? I remember watching it because I watched just about any cartoon to some extent in the mid late eighties. I, I couldn't remember much. I remember the the vibe of it. I remember he was a cowboy. I remember it was outer space. I remember he had a sidekick named Fuzz. That was like the only thing that really stuck in my brain. But when I started looking, at this, I don't remember any of those villains at all. Really? Like when I actually watched this episode. Okay. Yeah, I was. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, because this was actually made as a Tex Hex vehicle. They added in Brave Star later. Yeah, they actually, uh, well, I'll get into that when I get into that. Okay. <laughs> the other thing I want to say about the vibe of this show is, you know, looking at it now, it's Firefly. It's very Firefly. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> How did I not connect those dots? Nine is it a, It's a space Western, but they left Earth to find like a, to start another world, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I don't know if the Earth got used up, but still, it's it's Firefly. There's two episodes where they go to Earth. Okay. 
it was a it was a failed spinoff, backdoor spinoff. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I I read about that, but I didn't see it. But yeah, no the the thing I connected to. Well, no, the thing I connected this to was Avatar because they're going mm. to this distant planet trying to find this precious metal, this fuel uh, called carium that we'll get into in a little bit. So I said, wow, this beat Avatar to the punch by like two decades. <laughs> I remember watching Brave Star a lot after school. It was a first run syndication show. So the network you saw it on depended on where you live. I believe Joey was on channel 29 for us in Philly area. That's Fox for the rest of y'all. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it was Fox out here. Okay. Fox 11, 3.30. Okay. Um, a bunch of episodes are now officially on YouTube, as you said, including this one, which I like doesn't have a festive Christmassy name. It's just Texas Terrible Night. <laughs> Aired December 14th, 1987 on Monday afternoon, I'm guessing. But again, I don't remember watching this one. The show grabbed my brother's attention more than mine, but I was still on board. We had a Brave Star action figure, and it was larger than most that I had at the time. Maybe a Ninja Turtle and a half tall, if not two. <laughs> so that made playing with him in our little Fisher-Price Little People Western town a bit difficult, but me, we made it work. You look cowboy kaiju. Yeah, there you go. So Brave Star was the last animated TV series Filmation ever produced. It was the adventures of Marshall Brave Star, a protector of New Texas, a distant planet in the 23rd century orbiting three suns and located 600 parsecs from Earth. That's a little under 200 light years away and exactly 50 Han Solo Kessel runs. <laughs> now, the chief export of New Texas is a precious mineral and fuel source called carium, which attracts many a greedy outlaw to the planet. And that's where I had my note. Yeah, Jam this filmation beat James Cameron to the plot of Avatar by more than 20 years. Uh, the title character is voiced by Pat Fraley. Been a lot of claim jumping in the last few weeks, and I am the marshal of all of New Texas. I think we know about that guy. We do. He was the voice of Krang and Glowworm and Wild Weasel from G.I. Joe. Joey, didn't you talk to Pat Fraley specifically about Brave Star? He brought it up when I did that interview, which oh, we've talked about and linked before. He brought it up in conversation. We were just naming like other. I think I was just reading off some of his credits like Brave Star. Uh, I should have listened to it before we recorded this, but he made fun of it like Eye of the Puma something. <laughs> he made fun of what it was. <laughs> the, the catchphrase. I got to tell you a funny story. Uh, my Eldest boy was about a year and a half year old when that uh, show premiered. I think about 86. And um, it would start off with this theme song. Brave star, eyes of the hawk, strength of the bear. And I'd be in the kitchen with my boy in a high chair, and then I'd go, I'd jump in as it was playing and go, pee-pee of the wolf. <laughs> oh, gosh, was that funny. <laughs> right up his year and a half uh, uh, humor. <laughs> pee pee of the wolf how embarrassing uh so brave star upholds the law in new texas with the help of his spirit animal powers which is not how spirit animals work but it's closer than any white dude i know trying to be funny in space that's how they work <laughs> gritty's my spirit animal no he's not stop it <laughs> 
Brave Star can channel four different powers, the eyes of the hawk, the strength of the bear, the ears of the wolf, and the speed of the puma. None of this you'll see in the this episode, yeah. or much of Brave Star. Right, zero of which make an appearance in this Christmas special. He's barely in this one. The real star of this episode is his nemesis, Tex Hex, voiced by Charlie Adler. Christmas Eve, the worst time of year. Too many happy people. And that's why he sounds like Buster Bunny doing an impression of Yosemite Sam. <laughs> the little Crypt Keeper in there. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah, yep, very true. <laughs> Tex-Ex looks a lot like the Crypt Keeper, he even. He does. Yeah. We kind of see that transformation in this one. He get like, this is a Tex backstory episode that they kind of mm-hmm. rewired from A Christmas Carol, which I like. Mentioning so, how it, we don't really see Brave Star's powers. If you watch it on YouTube, it cut off the opening credit, so you didn't even get Brave Star's like rundown of who he is or what's going on or anything. I watched the credits after the episode, and it was like, oh, yeah, that's his his gimmick. Yeah, no, I stopped it because I wanted to see the intro. I'm just like, no, no, no. We're not going any farther until I go to another video, watch the intro, and then I went back to this one. Yeah. Those 80s cartoons really relied on those theme songs for you oh, to yeah. know what is going on. <laughs> Otherwise... <laughs> why video games had instruction manuals back then because they couldn't fit it into a tiny chip and speaking of confusing people and this was part of the problem with uh, brave star so all of that backstory was presented in a movie brave star the legend which never aired anywhere until the show had been on for months so i saw that i'm like wait okay yeah this is an origin story but we mm -hmm. get it after the run of the show (laughs) And this episode draws from a lot of that. A lot of it is taken directly from it. But oh, really? People are seeing it. Yeah, all that star stuff with Texas backstory. It. Oh, well, that yeah. puts this into a whole different light. Yeah, that was in my notes. I was like, a lot of this mythology and characters backstories being referenced in this episode really quickly. I had no idea what they were talking about, like the, the stampede and a lot of the stuff. I mean, we'll get to it, but still, like, yeah. there was a lot of stuff they referenced very briefly. I'm like. I don't have any context for this. Okay. Also, Tex kind of sounds like that weasel from the Glow Friend Save Christmas when he's doing oh. his mocking voice. He's talking about the spirit <laughs> of Christmas. <laughs> but Tex was originally designed as a henchman of prime evil from Filmation's Ghostbusters. Yes. Which regrettably didn't have any kind of holiday special. Right. There's already a Ghostbusters holiday special. Yeah, well... I just said this didn't go long enough for a crossover to show up. I'm surprised it didn't, to be honest. No Tracy the Ape? <laughs> no. Nope. Tracy the Ape hanging out with 3030. There you go. I want water. that buddy comedy. <laughs> we'll talk about other voices as we get to them. Let's get into it. So we open on Christmas Eve, the festively decorated settlement of Fort Carrium. And if you're wondering, how do they know about Christmas on a planet light years away from Earth? Well, they already called the planet New Texas, so they know about Christmas. But Brave we can Star- accept that. Yeah. <laughs> but Brave Star is getting ready to leave for Iron Mountain to investigate some claim jumping, because sometimes you have to work on Christmas. Sometimes. And Judge Tila is very sad to see him go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's... 
Uh, to the mild disappointment of the Marshall's partner in Paramore, Judge J.B. McBride, voiced by Susan Blue. Christmas just won't be the same without you, Brave Star. You really have to go to Iron Mountain now. I don't think we've really talked about her yet. No, I think this is her first appearance on the podcast. Her most notable role is probably R.C. in Transformers. Yep. But I also know her as Princess Pawpaw, uh, Amy on Galaxy High. Mm. And an on-camera role in Friday the 13th, Part 7, as Tina's mother. She was also a very, very prolific uh, voice director and producer. I feel like she's done that more than she's actually done acting at this point. Yeah, I believe I read that she directed voices on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, both the original series and in 2003 or 2012. One of those two. Very behind-the-scenes involved with the Turtles. So, All right. Uh, but but yeah, the the judge and Brave Star share quite a tender goodbye hug for <laughs> sixty seconds into a kids show. But hey, all right, they turn more into the love interest in this than I they did in any other filmations I saw. Like if, if you yeah. ever want to watch the movie, there's a full makeout scene, <laughs> which for a filmation, here's buy our toys was pretty. There there was no love interest for Tracy the ape. <laughs> Sadly. One day. <laughs> that we know of. Little do those two lovebirds know that watching them via satellite disguised as a robotic snowman in a desert settlement <laughs> is cigar-smoking henchman Outlaw Scuzz, voiced by Alan Oppenheimer, the voice of Skeletor. Brave Star goes away! <laughs> Scuzz gonna tell Tex Hex! So Scuzz is one of the short-statured, almost hobbit-like native New Texan inhabitants mm-hmm. known as the Prairie People. But he's the only one of them who's uh, turn heel. So he goes to tell Tex Hex in his base of operations, uncleverly named the Hexagon. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's not hexagonal, but I, I do like it. Works for me. Oh, I've, I have a note about Scuzz. You would not have a cigar-chomping, smoking, evil sidekick henchman in a cartoon today. Absolutely not. He was smoking the whole time. He was, and like coughing. To bring the point home that that bad guy smokes cigars, look at how much he's <laughs> coughing. Look at how sick he looks. There's an episode where the the good guy prairie people is giving him a hard time about it and tex actually goes in now now smoking isn't against the law you shouldn't give him a hard time for that (laughs) not gonna get that today nope (laughs) but tex is there just hanging around in his red long johns but also (laughs) still wearing his boots Okay, they're not just red long johns. They're evil red long johns. Oh, okay. <laughs> like this is like my favorite thing about the whole. Yeah. If you're looking for something to get me for Christmas, long johns with a butt flap and a skull. Yes. <laughs> yes. My wife Erin was watching this with me, and she definitely she's like his pajamas look like his armor, but he has the butt flap on them. You got to <laughs> look at it near the end. Hey, man. <laughs> Literally, but. But the boots are fine. He's in a spaceship made of metal. Floor's cold. Not only is he hating that it's Christmas Eve because too many happy people, but he's also worried over his recent inability to take over Fort Carrium, angering his boss, the big bad in charge Stampede, whom we'll meet a little later. 
Uh, but his move quickly improves when Scuzz delivers the news that Brave Star's leaving town. He sends Scuzz to tell the rest of his crew to get ready for a Christmas Day invasion. And not one second after Scuzz leaves, Tex is visited by Brave Star's mentor and father figure, the Shaman. Hmm. Voice, but yeah, yeah, he does a lot of that. <laughs> we got, well, first, the Shaman's voice by the late Ed Gilbert. I've come in the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas. Humbug! Who needs it? The voice of General Hawk and G.I. Joe and also Baloo in Tailspin. Yes. Ed Gilbert's also the voice of Brave Star's chief deputy, the horse-like, sometimes bipedal equestroid, 3030. But we don't see him until the end. But yeah, these two would-be Native American characters in the show were voiced by white dudes. Yep. They were making their first strides towards diversity. You know, it's. <laughs> yeah, there are certainly more problematic examples before this show and after this show. And neither character speaks in broken English or anything, but you're right. Ed Gilbert yeah. Shaman it's, does a lot of that. It's stereotypical, but it's not. A, they're not butt of the joke, you know? It's yeah. They're getting the culture wrong, but at least, you know, it's. They, We've had enough blonde, blue-eyed heroes, so I remember it being refreshing to see. Like We're a getting lot more, ever, more ever my so friend. soonly. Yeah. More my friends looked like Brave Star than He-Man, so okay. it was one of the things. I... Also, we have a, a Native American here, uh, basically as the, as the ghost of Christmas. Yeah, well, I mean, some of them incorporate enough of Christmas that I've yeah. read. And it's the future, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> That's Shaman true. comes in the spirit of Christmas, so he's our stand-in for two of Dickens' Christmas ghosts. We don't really have a Jacob Marley in this very loose adaptation, but if any character in this universe is going to attempt to redeem Tex Hex in the style of the Christmas Carol, Shaman's it. Well, he's sort of Marley, except not. I mean, he has a partner that he screwed over in the past, but... Yeah, and then later, when yeah. we get the stampede, I wouldn't say he's a stand-in for Marley, but... I'll get to that. So first, Shaman explains he's there to do good for Tex, who responds by trying to shoot him. You know, as you do. Um, but his lasery blasts go right through him in true Christmas ghost fashion. Then he says Tex's evil must be stopped. They argue a bit until Shaman uses his laser eyes <laughs> to sort of trap Tex in a force field and take him back to his past. Unfortunately, changing him out of the pajamas. Which yeah, I don't know if it was Tex or the shaman's magic, but he somehow magically gets dressed during this force field bit. He glows blue for a second and then bam, clothes are on, which I kind of wish they kept him in his long johns to keep it true to Scrooge. Wouldn't it? Like, I, I almost thought that that's why they had him in the long johns. Like, that's what I thought. The- and then he's. Then I realized he's dressed again. When did he get dressed? I had to rewind to figure out, oh, it's while he's trapped in that glow and stuff. If they were just going to have him be dressed again while the shaman's taking him to his past, why bother showing him in his jammies at all? I assume with filmation, they can only do so much new artwork. I guess. But also, since you mentioned that a lot of these scenes are from that Brave Star the Legend movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's how they worked that in. They had already animated those. And so they got to figure out, all right, we got to get them dressed again. 
younger him was in the movie, but there wasn't like a ghost older him oh, watching okay. over it. Interesting. Anyway, back to the past, and the first stop is to see young Tex and his former prospecting partner, Angus McBride, the judge's father, preparing to go to New Texas for the first time. That's me and McBride when we was just getting started. Watch and listen. They will neither see nor hear us. First off, young Tex looks like Purple Faker from (laughs) (laughs) He-Man. The before picture? Yeah, he's got the red page boy hairstyle instead of the wild white mane we're used to seeing on Tex. And his white mustache is thin and black Fu Manchu style. (laughs) The would-be whites of his eyes are still red even before he turned evil, so that's a little off-putting as a young guy still trying to look sincere, but... Yeah, is he human? human-esque i'm guessing he's purple this whole time even as a younger self it's that's not part of his transformation so i'm guessing he's some sort of humanoid from another planet where i think we can assume earth has many different species like most sci-fi at this point yeah so pink dudes with red eyes aren't unusual doesn't look like a good innocent guy but maybe that's our human prejudice you know maybe glowing red eyes are yeah maybe (laughs) Who knows how the uh, 23rd century goes down. (laughs) Well, here's what we learn. The young Tech's plan to get enough carrium to go home and marry a woman named Ursula, whom we then meet as she and the younger Tech's are talking about their future plans while picnicking under a shady tree. Do you really have to go all the way to this faraway planet? Uh, What's it called? New Texas. I do have to go, Ursula, don't you see? If Angus is right, if there really is a lot of carrium there, we'll be rich. But we don't need to be rich. We've got each other. You know, th- this reminded me a lot. The bow and perfuma scene in the He-Man Christmas special. Mm. Oh, wow. You know, the, I was thought, like, this looks familiar. The, the instrument looks the same. The Oh, <laughs> they probably traced that or something. <laughs> Or at least use the same sort of base model. Wow, good call. (laughs) They wrote that terrible song for the He-Man special. Maybe they had to get more (laughs) use. Now, I couldn't find an official credit anywhere for Ursula, but I'm pretty sure that's also Susan Blue. Probably. Yeah, I didn't see any other. I mean, there are other female voice actors who show up on the series, but she sounds similar enough to the voices I know of Susan Blue that, all right, I'm going with it. I've seen, you know, Transformers the movie enough to know Susan Blue's face <laughs> voice. But Tex doesn't want any part of looking back on this. But the shaman insists he stays to look and listen. It's a very familiar setup to Scrooge's relationship with Belle. Tex is trying to seek his fortune, but Ursula is perfectly happy with what they have now, or rather than, sorry, not thinking fourth dimensionally. <laughs> Happy Back to the Future Day! <laughs> Happy Back to the Future Day. But Ursula adds she's afraid if Tex goes to New Texas, she'll never see him again. Next, the shaman takes us to Tex's first carrier mine, and we see his younger self much closer to his current self, consumed by greed as he forces the native prairie people to mine for him. Right. That was a really steep drop for him. Like, you went from, how did I end up evil? Yeah, we don't get that. It's just it's like, 
I want to spend my life with you. Let's enslave the native peoples. Yeah, that's a jump. And here's also where we see Tex turn on Angus, tying him up and leaving him for dead as he flies away with a shipload of carrium. Dropping to what we could only assume is his death. You would think so. So this is why that's the one thing I do remember about the show is Angus can't walk. So he has this hover chair he flies around on. We're getting a lot of backstory. And I didn't have like all that continuity as a kid. So when I said like watching this brought back memories, I thought I was watching a Christmas special where they just dropped a guy off a cliff. (laughs) Yeah, I had to be like, whoa, did they kill that guy? Going to school the next day. Guess what I watched? Yeah, I also had to look back on that until I realized, oh, that's the guy in the hover chair. Yeah. yeah. They should give a co-writer credit to Dickens for this. <laughs> like all the <this laughs> Scrooge. So do you, I, do you want to know a little? Yeah. Um, that McBride there. So they could have elaborated on with his sent to evil. So because he drops down the cliff, Shaman spiritually knows he's in trouble and he sends some passing ships to go help him. And that's how the, all the rest of the universe finds out about this carrium and Tex Hex loses his monopoly on it. Oh. And so if they wanted to, they could have played up. Oh, your evil is what led to. Mm. Oh, they really could. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just so. Yeah. Well, and to that note, we see Tex's ship crash and explode. And that's when he's found by Stampede, also voiced by Alan Oppenheimer. Greed, cruelty, evil, you are perfection itself. You shall serve me well. Only one man is tough enough to stop the evil outlaw Tex Hex, the Brave Star. Neutral laser and laser fire fingers sold separately. You're a buster, Tex Hex. My laser fire backpack makes me unstoppable. Your history, Brave Star. Never. Think you're tough enough for my neutral laser cannon? Watch this. Ah, what happened? Laser fire. Neutral laser, laser fire, Brave Star, and Tex Hex. Each sold separately, batteries not included. You from Mattel. And Stampede is this ancient demonic creature called a bronchosaur, which (laughs) sounds like it should be part horse, part dinosaur, but really he looks like he's part longhorn, part dragon. Yeah, I thought he was a dragon. Yeah. Part primeval. Oh, yeah. A lot of primeval. Part Terrell Davis. (laughs) Bronchosaur. We don't see his full body at first, just a glimpse of this large evil being with some kind of smoke, and wispy mm-hmm. energy surrounding him as he towers over the unconscious Tex. And Scuzz is there, too, but Stampede feels the greed and evil now apparently radiating from Tex, so he decides to grant him his powers of destruction and sorcery. And transformation. And transformation. Filmation always likes to say that transformation is an evil power. <laughs> it's, it's a recurring theme. Hmm. <laughs> I, you know, they, I'm surprised they didn't loop that in with sorcery. <laughs> Speaking of transformation, this is what transforms Tex into the white-haired skull face villain we've known throughout the series. 
And here the animation of this whole thing has points where it just gets extra fluid for a second or two here and there throughout the whole special. And Tex floating in the air like a ragdoll while Stampede grants him powers is one of those points where I feel like this looks like something out of an 80s movie that wasn't <clears throat> Disney, but it was something else. Like, it has that quality of it. Yeah, those are the scenes from the movie, so you were right on the money. Oh, that <laughs> explains it. <laughs> Bigger budgets. Because it's not the whole time, just every so often. All right. I don't know if jarring is the word I'm looking for, but definitely yeah. noticeable. Okay, so that's it. That's because those are the scenes from the movie. I didn't know if the whole show was like that, but that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Like I said, they had to sprinkle this backstory in since yeah. they weren't able to get the movie out like they wanted to, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And another point, coming back to the Christmas Carol story. This makes an interesting addition to that narrative. Say, in addition to Belle and Fezziwig, we see Scrooge meeting Jacob Marley for the first time and how that affects his character. I want something more like that. Mm -hmm. And we kind of get that here with Stampede, which I like. Speaking of, say you've never heard of A Christmas Carol and you're watching this. <laughs> We're about halfway through at this point, and I'd forgive you if you'd just forgotten this was a Christmas episode. <laughs> no, no Christmas carols, no. They had no to, yeah. watching the Cratchits celebrate Christmas, no. No, yeah. not yeah, nothing like that. Uh, I, I would call this more grave than gravy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Literary honest. And here's where the shaman starts to get to the point. Would you be so proud if you knew your evil was harming someone you know? Oh, who in the universe could it possibly be? We are whisked away to Lost Mountain to a time Tex and his crew of space dingoes yeah. destroyed a strato stage and stole the biggest haul of carrium in the history of New Texas. Which Texas Hex is all happy about watching. He's oh like, yeah, he he wants to see this part again because, to like, his knowledge, this strata stage was unoccupied aside from his drivers. Yeah. But oh look, it's Ursula! No. <laughs> Any kid watching this saw that coming from a lot farther away than those drivers saw Tex. <laughs> Everything could have gone so differently. If, uh, and he gets so emotive at this point. Yeah, you ever watch his face during this part? Yeah. Like it's like his face is crawling off his skull. There, it's the most I see him in the whole series. Just they're gone. Whoever they were. Oh no! It's it's Ursula. This is when he finally feels badly about attacking Ursula. Shaman takes him back to Christmas present right at that moment. And it's out of place, but we get a rare appearance of the older Belle figure, whom Dickens describes as a comely matron with a large and happy family. No big family here, just a husband who I think looks like Fred Ward. Huh? <laughs> well, if my long-lost love married animated Fred Ward, I'd be as crushed <laughs> as Tex appears. <laughs> Especially after Shaman informs him Ursula and her husband are on their way to Fort Carrium for Christmas just in time for Stampede's attack. And how long has he, uh, Tex-Hex, been on this planet? 
she's been here having getting married and obviously becoming part of the town. First clue. <laughs> yeah. Right, and it's been long enough that you see gray streaks in Ursula's hair mm-hmm. and Fred Ward's hair. Well, he's always had gray streaks in his hair, but... All this sorcery, all of these henchmen all over the planet. You had no idea she was here? But it really upsets him. But no, sorry, it's time to go to the future first. <laughs> Future's pretty short and to the point. We see Stampede yeah. now ordering Texas crew. Shaman explains, you're not part of his plans anymore. Well, where am I? And Shaman shows him a lone grave marker in the middle of a volcanic field flanked by a giant rib cage bones. <laughs> in accordance with his culture's traditions. Yeah, sure. For a giant <laughs> evil cow dragon, Stampede sure knows how to give a dead guy he doesn't care about anymore a decent burial. between that the foreboding music and the sound effects and Charlie Adler's performance of text just freaking out both angry and clearly afraid I really like this scene it's my grave says Tex Hex Shaman 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 where are you And we get Christmas future. We get yes. Christmas future. Whose grave is it, Shaman? <laughs> so, Shaman! Shaman! <laughs> yeah, Shaman disappears mm. while Tex is reading his name in the headstone. And up on the dark hillside, my withered old hangman's tree is the ghost of Christmas future in his usual hooded cloak. But he's also wearing a hat on top of his hood because it's a Western. Really, cowboy. It's a space Western. They still call it space Western because calling it upward sounds stupid. And he does so, and he points when he points. I looked at his hand. I'm assuming this is metaphorical stampede. He has the same bony oh. metal joints as stampede does. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't connect him to stampede. I just connected. Well, every other skeletal being in this yeah. universe kind of looks like a robot skeleton. So sure, why not? I. Could be. I was trying to look for any kind of, all right, wh- where's the symbolism in Christmas future dressing to the nines? <laughs> the sight of the ghost causes Tex to trip over his own grave marker, and then he starts shaking it like he's trying to wake himself up. And then he does wake himself up. Back in the hexagon, I wrote down Pentagon. Oh, man. <laughs> I just realized that. Tex Hex is in the Pentagon. Just well, Pentagon. I mean, I'm not getting political on this podcast. <laughs> Tuska is banging on his door because it's Christmas Day. He hasn't missed it. And it's time to attack Fort Carrium. <laughs> and shaking the bedposts like Scrooge. Oh, yeah. And then he's back in the pajamas. My favorite part. The pajamas are back. <laughs> For like... A good few seconds, but then we cut to Stampede and Texas crew overlooking the fort ready to attack. The plan is Stampede can take the form of a dark cloud and hover over the fort to hide their attack. But now Tex is clearly hesitant. Hexitant? Well. (laughs) The rest of them go, but Tex flashes back to him leaving Ursula again. And even though he admits he'll pay for it later, he ultimately decides to shoot at Stampede, creating lightning in his cloud. 
which alerts the town. And they close the town walls by kind of connecting every building together like an erector set and putting yeah, them all yeah. in the bunkers. I loved that. <laughs> I wish my house could do that. It reminded me of in Transformers the movie. That's what Fortress Maximus does at the beginning, right? Or the headquarters when the Decepticons attack. It, yeah. the, the building transforms. It's one of those repeated scenes that you see it at, the, which uh, also there is a play a playset available that you what? can buy, kids. Oh. <laughs> Does it like fold up into itself like that? If I remember right, but I also it, it was also like a shooting ga- gallery, so you could like fold it out and then like hit it with the little infrared beams, and it would do different <laughs> things. <laughs> you ever see the animated um, version of Doctor Seuss's The Sneetches? It reminded me of those machines uh, kind of folding up into themselves. That's what <laughs> I. That's where my brain went. Uh, back to the movie. If you like this, there's a whole like. 18 building something montage of this being built by all the townspeople that oh nice wish everyone's houses could do that then we could go to <laughs> restaurants again <laughs> it's a tale for our time yep but then that's it then we cut the brave star in 3030 are back from iron mountain and asking if anything happened while they were gone and, and are shocked and puzzled at the answer delivered by deputy fuzz fuzz, fuzz. a prairie person also voiced by Charlie Adler, and Fuzz sounds exactly like Cow from Cow and Chicken with a Texas accent. When Stampede becomes big out to hide the tag, Tex files his hex maker to stop Stampede. Woo! It's amazing. Soon as his cloud gone, we see bad guys and close them gates just in the nick of time. Hmm, Tex Hex stopping Stampede from attacking Fort Carrium? I don't get it. And all I can think of is Fuzz had to have been reading the script because I don't know how he got the information that he has at that time. Because <laughs> it's already established that they're hiding. They're coming They're coming for him. No one knows he's there until like a laser comes out of somewhere, cloud shrinks, they see a bandit. But Fuzz knows the whole deal. Like, hey, oh, yeah. X-Hex shot it. He somehow knew this would shrink the clouds. And <laughs> But thanks, Fuzz. Could have told us earlier. <laughs> Also, when they get back at the very beginning, the very end is the only time we see the only Christmas decoration in town. The one Christmas tree they stuck in the middle of the street. Yeah, well, there's there's lights on the buildings. Yeah, there were lights on the buildings. It's hard to tell because they're colored the same as the buildings. (laughs) But I could definitely tell that there were ornaments hanging. And what I said, like, which I like is that looks like my Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> Another one of the I liked was when the bartender was like, it'll be Christmas even if there ain't no snow. Hey! <laughs> and I grew up in the desert. I wa- I grew up watching tons of Christmas specials. There, All these like snowy landscapes. That was as foreign as Eternia t- to me. And hmm. oh, fake old Western buildings with some lights on it and a tacked together uh, artificial snowman in the middle. There you go. Well, that's my kids now. We live in Florida. We we get warm palm tree Christmases and fake snow. The soap flakes falling from the sky at several theme parks. But that's it. They've my my oldest daughter has seen snow flurries when she was a year old. But that's it. For now, we'll get up there. And I just want to say, so the whole Christmas future, as long as well as produced as it was like it didn't seem to really relate to anything like you're gonna die because this or that it more seems like turning on the big evil dinosaur ghost could have led to him in that graveyard yeah they don't explain it 
Which is a shame because that's a really well themed scene. It's just like mm-hmm. I mean Stampede's hood is pretty dark to begin with, but yeah. It's a twenty minute show, but I just hey. you know. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Uh, the puzzled Brave Star asks what Shaman thinks about Texas turning on Stampede, and he answers perhaps Tex decided to give us a Christmas present. And they oh. leave it at that. <laughs> No laughter erupting as we zoom out and fade to black or anything. We do zoom out, but we yeah. fade to Tex overlooking the town and whispering, Merry Christmas, Ursula. Merry Christmas, Ursula. Merry Christmas. Which was, that that was Emmy Award winning performance there. <laughs> I built it, the pathos. Now, there was one thing before the zoom out. We get the meta kind of looking at the screen explanation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After he's uh, talking to Sh- Shaman. And, and I kind of like how the, the Shaman says, you know, that you can look for the good in everyone. But then uh, Brave Star is kind of like, yeah, kids, but we have a show to put on. So he's going to be just as evil tomorrow. Don't you worry. <laughs> but but you, you should look for the good in people. <laughs> yeah, gonna... This was an interesting. So this is like the moral of the story thing after the mm-hmm. show. Like many a good cartoon from the 80s had. Tex Hex actually did something good today, Shaman. I don't understand why. Tex remembered, if only for a few moments, a time when he cared about love and friendship. You see, there can be good even in the worst people. I reckon you're right, Shaman. Tex Hex will be as mean a critter as ever tomorrow. But remember, he's only a character in a show. In the real world, if you look for the good in people, you just might find a new friend. Try it. You're right, he tells us impressionable kids. But remember, he's only a character on a show. I don't think I've ever seen one of these PSAs actually address the fact that you're watching a cartoon. Cartoon. Yeah, he he broke the fourth wall totally there. Yeah. I don't remember any other show going, look, kids, this is all fake and none of us are real. Eat your vegetables. (laughs) Goodbye. I, yeah, I would have to go back and look at some of the He-Man ones. I feel like there is something like, don't try this at home. We're cartoon characters. We can't get hurt. But I couldn't say specifically. I feel but like I've is, seen that in, in Tiny Toons, which tracks. Yeah. But but they would, you know, it's Tiny Toons or Animaniacs. They're all about breaking the floor. Oh, yeah. Walls. They yeah. do that all the time. <laughs> That's different than, you know, Roadblock never turned to the camera and told us <laughs> something like this. But the last thing I wanted to mention is... We never did see Ursula actually inside the town. We saw her going there, but Tex was content to take the shaman's word for it this whole time. Yeah, maybe she got shut out of the town when they closed it all up. (laughs) Christmas morning, she's outside with the bandits. Yeah, I wanted to see one last shot of her being like, wonder what happened there. But I don't know. She's clearly not thinking of Tex anymore, so maybe it doesn't matter. But that's it. This was a pretty good episode, I thought. Gave us a lot of backstory and made Tex relatable by way of Scrooge. Yeah. Doesn't get his happy ending, though. Which I kind of I kind of like. You know, unlike my good buddy Chad horror movie <laughs> barbecue, <laughs> I like my villains to have that little bit of a face turn, you know? Oh, yeah. Like a- <laughs> Maybe maybe it takes their fangs out a bit, but I, I, I'll always remember Skeletor and Tex Hex more for blasting away at their shadowy oh, bad yeah. guys in the spirit of Christmas. All right, it's Boxing Day. Time to be <laughs> evil again. 
(laughs) (laughs) The true meaning of Boxing Day. There it is. Any final Uh, thoughts on this episode or Brave Star in general? It felt like definitely a, a cartoon of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not in a not in a bad way. Like like compare this to I don't know the Glow Friends one we saw, <laughs> which was very very slight. This at least you know had something interesting going on, and I always like the you know quasi sci fi mixed with something else. Like you know like He Man is sci fi oh, yeah. mixed with you know Conan Sword and Sorcery, and that's always fun. Yeah, it's you know it's definitely not the most Christmassy of specials as we said before, but it. Brave Star really turned into the dark side on things, even with Christmas. Like, after all, this is the show that showed a kid die of a drug overdose uh, after school. So, oh my <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. another episode. It's a whole nother. <laughs> Look it up, kids. Well, thank you both for joining me on this ride. Thank you very much for having me on my inaugural podcast. Hey, <laughs> hopefully the first of. At least a few more, if not many. First of a couple. There you go. (laughs) Baby step. Uh, But if people want to stare at you with laser eyes and make you magically get dressed, where can they find you on the internet, Sammy? (laughs) Uh, At Sammy Hayne, all one word on Twitter. I'm usually on there posting crayon drawings or photos of groceries. So, (laughs) And Joey. Well, I've got laser eyes, and I know what you're thinking. So you can find me at I'm gonna DJ24 on Twitter or uh, why not radio, why not radio.net. And I'm on Twitter at Fall West Mike. You can find show notes for this in every episode at adventcalendar.house. Say hi on Twitter at adventcalhouse. And now I'm on Instagram at adventcalendarhouse. Talk to you all in a couple days in the future. For now, for Sammy Hayne and Joey O. Live in my long johns and boots from the hexagon, this is Mike Westfall saying, please watch out for that icy patch. Y'all. Y'all. And now, these messages. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Chris. We're a married couple living in New York City. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably love Christmas just as much as we do. In our podcast, Christmas Time in the City, we talk about the history and traditions of the holidays in New York City. The Rockefeller Center Christmas Tree, Caroling in Washington Square Park, New Year's Eve in Times Square, the classic Christmas movies filmed here, we cover it all. In Listener Mail, we answer questions from listeners like you that may be planning a trip or maybe just curious about us. And in Christmas Confidential, we read anonymous listener-submitted Christmas confessions to help people finally get their deepest Yuletide secrets off their chest. So subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Unless you don't want to, then just forget about it. Really? What, too much? <laughs> no, it's fine. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... Oh, Christmas gifts from Santa Claus, the kind you get for free. Oh, Christmas gifts, free Christmas gifts, all of them for me. How great it is to get free stuff. You've a hundred.